Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, welcome to another episode of Crossview Radio, episode number 52. And uh, on today's uh, podcast, what I want to do is make a case for uh, church membership and actually even go a step further and make a case for active church membership. And I'd like to start off maybe just by sharing uh, a story and then kind of transition a little bit into uh, maybe some biblical data in order to uh, make our case. Now, don't get too excited when I refer to the story uh, format here. All I want to do is share the story of how we um, kind of started off as a, a church plant, went from a Bible study to a church with members. That's kind of uh, what I want to talk about is how do you go from a Bible study with no members, or at least members in the formal sense is what I mean, and going to a church with members, and then after that we'll uh, make a biblical case, uh, hopefully for a membership, and actually probably bleed into another episode as well uh, on that. So uh, the story uh, of Crossview Church, for me, uh, personally, is an exciting one. Um, And actually, if you go back in episode 39, Hans and I told the story of the genesis of Crossview Church. We had uh, some questions that came in from the community on that, and so those questions uh, were answered in episode 42. And so it might be helpful if you've not already heard those to go back and listen and kind of get a fuller picture of uh, the context to what I'm about to share today. But uh, from a membership perspective, uh, you know, this is a common um, issue or, or, or concern in church membership, or I'm sorry, in church planting. You know, at what point do we begin to introduce membership in a church plant? Uh, and again, I'm just going to share what we did. I realize that there are, are perhaps different ways that um, a church plant gets from A to B in this. Uh, this is just how, how it happened for us. But our family moved up here in February of 2015 to join with a group of people that were already meeting. They had been doing a Bible study for the previous year, and they were ready to see something take off. And so at this point, obviously, there's no such thing as membership yet. We arrived on February 12th, 2015, and on February 22nd, we actually had our first Sunday service. Uh, I actually still look back on that, and I'm a little bit surprised at how quickly we started. Um, I don't know that I necessarily changed anything on that. If I could go back, um, I probably would delay it um, maybe a couple more weeks, but just we, we started right away. Uh, and God provided, and so I, I rejoice in that. I think probably in most cases, most church planting cases, it's probably wise to just um, take at least the first few weeks there in order to get a feel for the area and begin preliminary church planting tasks. Now, as a reminder, we had a, a core group already, which is why we could accelerate that a little bit. If you're going into an area, obviously, just cold turkey, um, you know, you're going to have to start the Bible study type thing first uh, before you did it. But that's just how uh, it worked out for us. So nevertheless, that's what we did. Uh, still don't have any church members yet, uh, again, f- formally speaking. Um, and so practically speaking, for those first several months, we operated underneath the authority of a mother church. We were not independent. Uh, they managed finances for us, that, that sort of thing. 
Uh, but I mentioned that because it was at the moment where we transitioned from dependent to independent, that's when church membership was implemented for us. Uh, we had a charter service on Sunday, October 4th, 2015, and that was a pretty natural transition. If we had implemented church membership before that, it may not have been entirely clear who we were covenanting with um, because we, we, we had not really identified ourselves as an official independent church. Uh, but then if we would wait longer after that, it would, of course, become increasingly difficult to um, make a case for, well, why should we you know have members now instead of just doing what we're doing, floating kind of thing. So it was a very natural transition for us. Um, and again, I realize there's some flexibility in a church plant situation on how this plays out. It's going to depend, you know, how long you're meeting for a Bible study and what kind of what church you're underneath as far as assuming you are, uh, which I think you should be, um, and those kinds of things. So, uh, but in any situation, I think a church plant should be working towards membership as soon as possible. So that's that's the story. So let me talk a little bit about the importance of church membership. And uh, like I said, I think this is probably going to spill over into another episode, but um, here, here's what I think kind of uh, approaching this subject of church membership. Your view on church membership is going to be directly connected to your view of the church in general. So generally speaking, higher views of the church result in higher views of church membership whereas lower views of the church generally result in lower views of church membership. Uh, In his book entitled Awe, Paul Tripp writes this, quote, People move from church to church as if the churches in their community are nothing more than ecclesiastical department stores. They're shopping for just the right preacher, women's ministry, youth ministry, or worship style. These Christians' relationship to the church mirrors my relationship to Macy's. If I go to Macy's looking for a certain color and style shirt and they don't have it, I feel no guilt whatsoever in leaving Macy's and going to look for it at Bloomingdale's. I move from store to store until I find what I want because my commitment is not to a particular store but to myself and the satisfaction of my desire for that shirt. Hordes of Christians have this kind of church lifestyle. And they will, like shoppers, chase the deal the moment. Maybe that's running after the celebrity preacher, the cool Saturday night worship band, or the best youth program ever. They are high expectation and low commitment attenders, and there is a good possibility that they will soon be worshiping somewhere different from where they are right now. End quote. That quote is related to our conversation. Now, Paul Trip is talking a little bit more in the context of church hoppers, but the same logic uh, does apply. People who uh, refuse to join a church in membership are preserving their commitment to themselves and withholding their full commitment to Christ's body, the church. I'm not talking about the person who's still in the process of finding a church. I realize people... Um, perhaps are completely intending to be members somewhere, but I'm talking about the person who has decided to live his or her life uh, in the long term apart from church commitment. Just, I'm going to be an attender, but I'm not going to commit. There are a lot of reasons why a person may want to do this. Um, 
One reason is because perhaps they've been burned in the past by getting too close and too committed. And so now they're kind of in protection mode. They want to protect themselves from getting burned again. Um, But this is what makes the passages in the Bible about forgiveness and long-suffering and patience and overlooking offenses meaningful. The The biblical expectation is... While not desired, there is going to be conflict. The Bible prepares us that conflict is going to happen. Of course, the Bible admonishes us to be unified. It admonishes us not to have conflict. But the interesting thing is, it does give us the remedy for when we are not unified, for when we disobey those commands to be unified, and we uh, sin against one another, and there is disunity, it gives us a remedy for how to regain that unity with one another. God knows we will sin against each other, but the question is this, is that an excuse? Is is the fact that I have been burned in the past, is the fact that uh, someone has perhaps sinned against me, or a relationship has been broken, or an expectation has not been met, is that an excuse for backing out of our commitments to one another in the context of the local church? And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, I think a verse that uh, really speaks to this issue. He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Out of anyone who had a reason to pull himself out of fellowship because he's been burned, it would obviously be the Apostle Paul. Paul is ministering uh, in the early New Testament church context. He is not only being persecuted by those outside of the church, but he is being persecuted by those inside the church. He is um, not uh, not receiving the love that he is giving out. He is, as he says, uh, he spends himself and he's be spent. I most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. And so anyone uh, in the Bible, out of anyone, it would be Paul that would have a reason to say, well, let me just go ahead and and forget about this and just kind of be a half-committed kind of member or person, a tender of a church. And yet, out of this context of suffering, he uh, continues to be bruised out of love for others. You see, Paul is not operating on self-preservation mode. He's operating out of love for others mode. Self-preservation mode is one of the values of fallen humanity. We are to uh, reject that way of thinking and to embrace love for others, even if it means sacrifice on our behalf. Uh, I've... I've told our church before, and uh, I can even say it here in this context, uh, I am at some point going to let you down. Uh, Even if it's, uh, even if you never meet me and you're just listening to this uh, podcast, uh, there's probably going to be a point, uh, if it has not already happened, where perhaps I've, I've let you down or I haven't performed like you perhaps thought that I should have. Same in the church context. Uh, there's going to be times where I am not, um, uh, I'm letting people down and um, not fulfilling what they think I ought to fulfill in their lives as, as a pastor. But what we have to understand is we have to know that ahead of time and we have to plan for forgiveness and long-suffering uh, 
and jumping back into ministry in spite of all the bruises that we have on our faces. But if you view the church as a buffet of sorts where you pick and choose what pleases you, then perhaps you may be one who does not feel as inclined to go through the effort of committing to a church uh, through membership. Now, on the other hand, you you have that mentality of uh, kind of forsaking membership. On the other hand, there's a temptation to embrace membership, but kind of to make it membership light of sorts. You know, some people have the approach of, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, you believe in Jesus, why, why not just let me become a member? Why do you have a membership class or uh, this, this approach to, you know, this long, drawn-out process, you know, of all this stuff? I believe in Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you know, why don't we just just, just go ahead with this? And, and I get that, I understand that, I understand why people would say that. Um, l- let me maybe put the argument this way. Sometimes the argument I've heard before goes like this. Uh, someone will say, well, you know, he's good enough for Jesus, but obviously he's not good enough for the church. You know, he's good enough for Jesus, but not good enough for the pastor. You know, all these extra rules and requirements. The idea um, is that, you know, in order to be a Christian, you only need repentance and trust, but in order to be a church member, you need all this whole laundry list of requirements. Um, perhaps I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here, but I, I want to park at this rest stop for a moment. How do we deal with that argument? Good enough for Jesus, but not good enough for the church or the pastor. Should we just either forsake church membership, or should we just make church membership, you know, oh, you believe in Jesus? Okay, good, come on in kind of thing. There are a few responses to um, an argument like that, but I think perhaps uh, the, the strongest case for dismissing that objection would be understanding the difference between announcement and reality. Uh, What is an announcement and what is reality? Jesus always knows the difference. Now me, on the other hand, as a human being, sometimes I know and sometimes I don't. Here's when I say the difference between announcement and reality. Here's what I'm saying. Um, When you come and say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. Let's just, just let me into membership. Saying so doesn't make it so. It does you no good to just announce it. The church, and I'm using the term broadly speaking now, just anyone who uses the label church, the church today is full of goats. It's full of weeds. And as much as possible, as church leaders, our role is in part to know the difference between the sheep uh, and the goats. who, Who are sheep and who are goats? Matthew 7 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Later on in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, verse 32 says, before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The membership process is not a process where we are saying, but by having um, this this process, and we, by the way, for our church, um, our process is typically uh, we spend some time reviewing the statement of faith, we review our philosophy of ministry, which are both on paper, both on the website, um, and then we go through a book together, um, short book. 
on uh, being a, a, a healthy church member. And then we take a time where everyone shares their testimonies. In addition to sharing their testimonies, they also have to share the gospel in 60 seconds or less. Uh, And that's just to make it concise, clear, crisp, to the point. So they share the gospel. And then we talk about opportunities and areas where they would like to serve uh, in the church ministry-wise. And certainly that that flushes itself out over several weeks. and uh, it's not an overnight process. Uh, you have to be committed to that for multiple weeks. Uh, and then, actually, I'll say this too, we also, they also share their gospel salvation testimony before the church, and then we wait a week in between the time when they share their testimony and we vote. So a week later after they share their testimony, if no one has had any objections in that intervening time, then uh, we will vote and it's a majority vote of, uh, of church members there. They also review our church constitution. Um, and so all this stuff is kind of part of the process of being a member of the church. And by the way, I, uh, as a pastor, have been involved in each of those. I, I have not um, outsourced that to anyone else in the church, and I think it's just uh, healthy and good for me as a pastor or if you have multiple elders, which we're um, shooting for right now, but uh, having one of the elders uh, do that process. So here's here's what's going on. In that process, we're not saying we're more pious than Jesus. Jesus only has this one standard, trust in him, and we have all these standards for you being part of the church. Um, that's not what's, that's not the heart behind that. Um, Jesus intuitively, instantly, immediately knows who is converted, who is regenerated, and who is not. We don't. I don't know that. I cannot look at someone and discern that. And so the membership process is a way for us uh, to, by all means we have, uh, to strive to know to the best of our human ability whether someone's converted or not. That's, That's a big part of what that membership process is. It's not going to be 100%. There's going to be people, uh, certainly, who slip through unnoticed, who know all the lingo and those kinds of things, but we can at least avail ourselves to all the biblical means given to us to know whether someone is genuinely, con- genuinely converted or not. And, that, and we talk constantly about genuine conversion. Uh, what does it mean to be a believer in Christ? And so the membership process for us, certainly Jesus, knowing everyone, could say, okay, you're saved, you're saved, oh, you're not saved. And we don't have that uh, ability. We have to spend time with one another and to discern those things. And when we come across someone who we believe is, I'm not sure that that person's genuinely saved, it provides an opportunity for us to change gears and then to be evangelistically oriented and minded uh, instead of, uh, oh yeah, just come on in uh, as an unregenerated person to our church. Um not that they can't attend our church as, a, as an unbeliever, but we certainly want to be able to engage them uh, in, a, in a way that's beneficial to them. So we can at least avail ourselves to all the biblical means given to us to know whether someone is genuinely converted or not. Uh, excellent verse for this, this topic here, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Uh, Paul is talking to um, the elders And he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. You know, say, oh, you go through a membership process. You're just prying too much. You're trying to know too much. about how can I, as an elder, pay careful attention to the flock if I have no way of knowing whether someone's genuinely converted or not? The membership process is in part a fleshing out of Acts 20, 28 of the paying careful attention to the flock to say who is a believer, who is not a believer. It gives opportunities for fellowship and for the ability to say, okay, I, we understand this person uh, needs this particular kind of care and those kinds of things. And so it's the membership process is an expression of love an expression of care for people. Simply put, we have a church membership class because we are not omniscient like Jesus. We see the outside, Jesus sees the inside. Jesus knows instantly who's converted and who is not, we don't. And so the membership process is a time for us to compare what you're saying about yourself with what the Bible says so we can discern to the best of our ability that you're converted and then you can become a member based on that. And so what we're going to do, I think, uh, based on the time here, is we're going to cut it off for today um, and uh, maybe pick up next time with this idea of really making a case from the Bible for, uh, for church membership and looking at some of the passages that would uh, teach us that we ought to pursue that. But for today, uh, maybe just some ideas on the importance of being a member and, uh, and being a committed member. So... Uh, and in the meantime, if you have any qu- comments, questions, I want to have already said, feel free to reach out so that we can uh, continue the conversation. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at Crossview Orville.